It's your boy Rabino. And this DJ Erm in the building. And you listen to the Up and Up podcast. Yeah. Wait, what are we doing? I don't know. Just listen. Yes, 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 yes. Welcome, welcome, welcome. What it do, what it do. Ladies and gentlemen, you're tuning to the Up and Up podcast. I'm your host, Rabino. And I'm DJ Erm, man. What's up, man? How you doing, I'm boss? I'm good. I'm good, you bro. Good? Yeah. Back in town? Yeah, of course, man. Yeah. <laughs> you had a good weekend? Yeah, yeah, I had a great weekend. Yeah, man. A lot of basketball, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, hell yeah. Yeah, man. Uh, for the first time listeners, thank you for tuning in. Like I said, this is the Up and Up podcast on the Up and Up Network. Uh, this is the podcast where we're focused on cultivating culture. Uh, we do that by providing amazing stories of individuals, groups, movements, Mm-hmm. hustlers movers shakers right mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. people kicking down doors yep coming through windows i don't know man they're getting <laughs> in the building though right <laughs> all that man but appreciate you guys for tuning in if this is your first time and of course for the consistent supporters viewers uh, not only of the podcast but the up and up platform as a whole thank you guys we call them family members over yep. here right shout out to y'all we appreciate y'all for the support and we go keep rocking with y'all man um and of course, if this is your first time, uh, just to let you know, we always make it make a point to make sure we can provide our audience with a special guest, right? Mm-hmm. Every every guest is special. Every episode is special. Um, and today's guest, I would say, uh, is a woman whose work and love for her craft displays uh, what it means to truly come as you are um, to further build who you want to become, right? Um, I would say she's definitely a true culture cultivator who's keeping everything she's doing on the up and up. Mm-hmm. Um, another way to describe her, I, I like this term, I use ultra creative, right? Um, she's an ultra creative with a focus on interdisciplinary storytelling, visual and creative art direction, marketing and branding, entrepreneurship, spoken word, everything, man. Like, yeah. <laughs> I mean, if I just keep going, bro, we, we, we'll run out of time, man. Um, but furthermore, you know, aside from the things she's doing, she's been able to lend many of her talents, designs, and visions uh, to some of our favorite brands and platforms. Uh, but what's most important is she's been able to add a much-needed representation to those brands and platforms, which um, is actually the ultimate, you know, the ultimate stamp. Uh, of her craft, so let's let's just get straight to it, man. Our guest is nothing, none other than the amazing Jay Rachel. Can we get a round of applause, man? Come on. Yeah, come on. Man. How you doing? How you doing? East making to the world blow up. Come on. Hey. <laughs> East making. Come on, man. building. How, how are you doing? Are you good? I feel good today. I feel. I feel. Uh, I feel like I'm in alignment. Mm. Is it the candle Ooh. too? The candle help a little bit? Yeah, you know, y'all got the ambiance. I walked in here and felt real deep. Oh, Come man. on, man. See, I told you, Arm, we got to get the candles in here, man. Set the All right, vibe. man. Yeah, you're right. All right, man. But th- thank you for coming through. We, you know, long overdue, but we appreciate you, you know, gracing the mic. Um, now, if you're familiar with the show, we usually start the show with the quote of the day, um, something to get the vibe right, you know? So. You know, Arm's quote man, obviously. Oh, yeah, They yeah. don't let me talk, tell quotes up here, just for the record, so. <laughs> yep, for sure. Um, so the quote of the day is fighting for black freedom from the inside out. 
Ah, yeah. <laughs> See what you did there. <laughs> Who's that by? Who's quote? Jay over here, man. Oh. You know, I think this is the first time I did this. Yeah, no, that's like used a quote from the person on the show. So that's dope, man. You know. I feel very good inside. It yeah. worked. Yeah. Run, run that back one more time for the people who are snoozing, please. All right, please, all right. Please, so the quote is, "Fighting for black freedom from the inside out." Mm. Yes, sir. That's yep. real. Yeah, that's I real. felt that. No, that's real, man. Mm-hmm. Um, so Jay, before we kind of get into you know your story, which is what we love to do here with our guests, um, you know, in the in the intro, I mentioned that you work um, heavily focused on the interdisciplinary um, approach, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so now, and I know what the term means, but I, I googled it, right? And you know, Google has a certain definition which states creating something by thinking across boundaries. Um, but for you, like, how would you describe what interdisciplinary uh, work and that method uh, means to you, like, for your creation, if you could? Mm, I think it's um, it's like learning how to treat the things that I create like a pot of gumbo instead of feeling like I have to keep each ingredient separate. And I feel like early in my career, I felt like I had to do that. Like, I, I needed to pick a side. Mm. I can only do one. Mm. And so being an interdisciplinary storyteller and artist um, gives me an opportunity to take what I learned in design and apply that to the photography, take what I learned in photography Mm. and apply that to this other stuff, take what I learned from typography and apply that to the social media thing where Mm. the whole tide is shifting towards type-based posts Mm. and things, right? Mm. So it's it's figuring out how to not necessarily feel like I need to choose, but choose one, but choose all of them and Mm. figure out how they like, um, Mm. how to dial the flavors up and down when I need to. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So you mentioned East Macon. So yeah. what was it like growing up out there? East Macon. Black. Georgia. Yeah. It was so black, man. And That's I, the first thing that came to my mind. Man, too. it was so black. And I mean black in the most wholesome <laughs> yeah, wholesome yeah. ways sometimes. And I think I know I definitely took it for granted. Mm-hmm. I didn't think I didn't think about blackness the way that I do now when I was there because it was just a given. Yeah. You know, like I was surrounded by it. Um, like my early education was at a small Christian black private school. We um, we started there and went there through uh, second grade and then switched to public school, which was still majority black. Like I think we had maybe like a maximum of four white kids in the school. Everybody else was black. Yeah, that's what school like. Yeah. And I mean, from from like this high to like high school, it was like that. Wow. So to the be majority, yeah. <laughs> like to, I mean, and I mean, like Macon, Macon and Georgia aren't like segregated in a literal sense, but you know the the geographic um, separation that comes with like the economic differences yeah. happen mm-hmm. obviously. Facts. Yeah. Um, and so you end up divided in a way where you do kind of forget that there's a whole world outside of this. Um, and my parents decided that they wanted me to know what the world outside of that was look was, would look like so uh i went to the all-black schools up until my freshman year in high school and they sent me across town to the mm. engineering program at, where i was like one of the three black kids in the mm. program yeah. all that's of a, a 180 sudden. right there yeah, right yeah. completely um, and it was a whew, that was a culture shock and that was a struggle yeah. that was definitely rough on the mental emotional bodies for sure i was so unprepared for that world yeah um mm-hmm. Because, like, I, I feel like in the black community, we deal with differences, we deal with conflict, but we deal with it in a way that's familiar. And in in some ways, it's not really equitable in a literal sense, but 
because it's familiar, it feels like it. It feels like you got a chance in the argument. It feels mm-hmm. like you got a chance to hold yeah. your own in the fight. Yeah. But whiteness don't work like that. Mm-hmm. And to be an adolescent, the first time that that hit me in the face, coming from a place where like respect about respectability politics kept you safe, mm-hmm. um, kept you surviving, sent you home at night, it was hard to navigate. Yeah. Um, and I think that I I chose the buck that year. Mm. <laughs> In, yeah. a co- in a couple ways, I think I, I took advantage of um, the fear that I I saw when I walked into the room. I nice. definitely figured out how to how to use that to my advantage mm-hmm. um, versus being disadvantaged by it. But also, um, I think that year made me stand up in my blackness, though, mm-hmm. in a way. Like yeah. to be in classes with, I had a lit teacher who literally gave me a failing grade on a paper because the concept that I based it off of wasn't a real word and i went to the dictionary and it was in there mm. oh wow i didn't encounter stuff yeah. like that on the black side of that's town. like subjective I, yeah. that's you know, subjective it's, teaching it's, right what, there. what am i gonna say though as the as the one of three yeah and <laughs> yeah. You know, and it's crazy because you know like we all of us here we went to uh washington state university which mm. is a pwi so we kind of experienced that as well in a sense but what i learned it took me till college to learn that like mm, maybe the environment you're in affects the way you learn right like you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So I, I can only imagine like being at that age and then having to learn, perform, because you know we are trying to perform well with our grades and stuff um, in that type of environment. So yeah, that's tough. It's got to be. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was a it was a culture shock for for sure. But um, that only lasted for a year. And then I went back to my side of town with a completely different perspective. And mm-hmm. I think that was actually what lit the fire up under my ass at that age, like that young to be like, no, okay, it's two different worlds out here. And at some point there's gotta be a bridge. Cause I didn't know that the white kids had access to this stuff. I didn't even know there was such thing as access to this stuff mm-hmm. until I went there for a year. Yeah. And then to come back to what I was used to was like a, a yeah. just, insane contrast yeah mm-hmm. but you can look back on it now and see the, the power it holds right like yeah i think that's the part about living life sometimes is like if you reflect you know you learn from those experiences at the time and seem like what the hell's going on but it was all by design right mm-hmm. um and speaking of design so I, I did read somewhere that you never like growing up you never took um art classes or you weren't indulged in the arts is that true I was all self-taught, just curious, okay. um, doodling the pastime. It was a therapeutic hobby. Um, and it's funny because my mom used to catch me drawing sometimes and be like, go do something constructive. <laughs> <laughs> and in my mind, I'd be like, ta-da. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah, it, I think it just kept me quiet. I, I was a kid who, um, honestly, still is an adult trying to figure out how to communicate um, advocate for myself and that was definitely a struggle early on so I feel like drawing was my way to make sense of everything I couldn't say in a way or just drown myself in something that felt safe to um, express myself in without having to navigate the politics of language mm. there's a lot of politics and language yeah <laughs> yeah for a sure lot. so what were some like turning points like defining moments where you're like alright I'm gonna choose this path over this path or you know the fork in the road pretty much <laughs> yeah yeah i think there was a couple of them um one i was really struggling uh just mentally at the senior level high school year but i didn't have the like the the language or knowledge about what was what and what to call that or why that was 
Um, so I was just frustrated. And I was like, I don't really want to throw my life away, but I know I don't have the capacity to invest in myself, really, or mm. apply myself. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to just go to the military. Mm. And a couple of my teachers was like, no, you're not. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely not. I don't care if I got to pay the application fees myself. And they didn't have to. But they, the point was that, like, no, I'm not yeah. going to let you settle. Yeah. And so I'm grateful for those people in my village, um, not just at school, but at home, too, who didn't let me settle for that. Mm -hmm. Um. But I still try to take the safe route. I went to college and I was like, man, I'm gonna get an MBA, do business. I don't know why black people just say they're gonna go to college and do business. Like that's just, that's such a generic general statement that means absolutely nothing when you yeah. get to. It's like we, we just we just we're at we're do like what hey. what do what in business, right? Yeah. But that was what my mindset was, and so I went and took a general business degree path and was miserable. Like I failed so hard that first year, and mm -hmm. I mean it was terrible. Mm -hmm. So um, naturally, I ended up at a guidance uh, academic counselor's office. Um, she looked at me. She was like, "You clearly don't care about this." And I mean, touche, I didn't. And so she 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 started asking questions like, "Well, what is it that you're passionate about? Like, what is it that you care about?" And so I'm like, in my mind, like drawing art stuff, but you can't. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm trying to eat though. Yeah, mm -hmm. like that's yeah. Not, that's fun, but yeah. I'm trying to eat though. So she yeah. was like, "Well, why don't you try graphic design?" And I had never heard of graphic design before. I didn't know what that was. Mm. Um, but she was like, well, you got to take an art elective, an art class elective before you can apply to, to enter the program. Um, and I was like, all she had to say was drawing class. And I was down. Mm -hmm. yeah. It was not the kind of drawing that I thought I was signing yeah. up for. <laughs> Where's the paper? Where's yeah. the pens? No, it was it was like sit in this hallway and draw the perspective of the hall. Like draw the hot. It was wild. Yeah. But uh, but it was enough. That was a that was a drastic shift, though, because I think. Well, first of all, my transcript shifted drastically. Like I got back on like Dean's list, mm -hmm, like all this mm -hmm. other stuff. Clearly, like when your heart is and mind is in something, like you commit on a yeah. different level. So I feel like I found my passion, like what made me come alive mm. when I made that switch. Mm. Um, and it also emboldened me in a way because nobody where I was from was going to school to do art, let alone computer art yeah. with no structure and yeah. stuff to mm -hmm. it. Yeah. Um, and still, like, one of three black people. And that just made me even hungrier yeah. about yeah. it. Like, you embraced okay. it. You embraced that, yeah. Yeah, clearly, I'm a sheep. I mean, the black sheep thing is a curse if you see it that way. But, I mean, I feel like it's also an opportunity to, like, diversify an environment. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. sometimes you have to do that with your presence before you can do it with anything else. Mm -hmm. um, and I feel like that that was when I realized that. Like, okay, I'm I'm out of place, but absolutely in the right place at the same time. Mm. You're exactly where you need to be. Yeah. Yeah, and that's... Yeah. Man, very aware. Yeah, very aware. Because <laughs> I know, I know my ass. I think I, I tried to do electrical engineering my freshman year, and I was like, "Hell no, I'm not doing." It. <laughs> I guess that's some awareness, you know what I mean? But uh, <laughs> you know what I'm talking yeah, about too. It yeah. is though, you know, because everybody yeah. thinks I'm about. I got to be engineer, lawyer, doctor. All right, I'll just go engineer. That sounds cooler. And then you're like, "Nah, I'm not doing that." Um, <laughs> but so it, it sounds like. Um, in college is kind of when it started building or the seeds were planted, I would say. Mm -hmm. um, and obviously, you know, now you're doing a lot of, you know, a lot of great work um, and, it, and it is a full-time career. Uh, but do, can you recall like when, when it kind of clicked for you? Like when you felt like that affir affirmation where you're like, all right, I'm here, I've arrived. Cause it's one thing to like be curious and like, okay, I like what this is feeling like, but then like, you know when you arrive and you know you're about to just go for it can you recall a moment honestly a few weeks ago when i put my notice in for my job to do this mm, like, ooh, like, really yeah i go. just i got to a point where um i couldn't compromise anymore mm. 
Like the amount, and I'm aware that there's a lot of privilege that comes with that. I'm aware that not everybody is able to do that, but I feel like that makes it even more necessary for people like me to mm. step out and do that, to, mm-hmm. to say, yo, like, you can put your time in if you need to, mm-hmm. but putting your time in should never mean that you lose sight of what you're doing for you. Like, mm-hmm. if you can't do this and that, if it's making you choose, it's the wrong thing. Mm-hmm. Nothing in alignment will cost you your peace, your capacity, or, or your enthusiasm mm-hmm. at the end of the day. That's real. And so I feel like it's a difference between um, making compromises and making concessions. Mm. And I, I feel like I got to a point where I, I had to come to terms and be honest with the fact that I was making concessions mm. that, honestly, quite frankly, I couldn't afford to make. Not, It's not it's not just about me, um, and it's not even just about the people who are coming up behind me. Mm. Honestly, it's about the people who came before me. Mm. And all of those ancestors and, and everything that they were fighting for and all of that abundance that they deserve, mm-hmm. that, that wasn't... Yeah. wasn't um, <laughs> properly relayed mm-hmm. um when it should have been and so i feel like it's it's not just my birthright but also my purpose and my life's working and, and honestly my passion at this point mm-hmm. to to go for everything we owe mm-hmm. and some more i like that go for everything we owe <laughs> yeah bro is that a for t-shirt real. you make that t-shirt yet i mean we no. got to. I guess <laughs> have to that's hard i guess that's fall 2021 <laughs> come on <laughs> that's hard so uh that's dope. i mean we were talking about how like you were one of three black people in like art class and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, we're talking about how we felt the same way, like when we went to school. Mm-hmm. So like, what kind of advice would you give people that are going through that? Cause we talk about it all the time, like the imposter syndrome, mm-hmm. like where you're like, am I in the right place? Mm-hmm. Or like, I don't think I'm supposed to be here. And then you kind of fall off a little bit. Mm-hmm. So how do you like, what would, what would be your advice to like for people to deal with that? When's the last time you sat next to somebody who was Russian or Irish or Italian and you felt like they was trying to be less of that? When's the last time you saw like an Italian person be like, try to be less Italian at work or a Russian person be less Russian at work? Like nobody else is required to leave their culture at home when they go to work. Mm. Nobody else is required to leave the essence of who they are at home when they go to class, right? Yep. Um, and we don't owe people that either. Yeah. I think we've we've made a habit of it to survive. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's an extension of respectability politics, in my opinion. The imposter syndrome is. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. it's like, I don't want to be fully who I am because that might make you uncomfortable, and therefore I need to make myself smaller in this space. It has nothing to do with now you belong there. Yeah, yeah, absolutely yeah. nothing. Yeah, you wouldn't have applied if you didn't think that was what you were supposed to be doing. Yep. You know what I mean? Exactly. Like you wouldn't That's have facts. gone to the function if you didn't think that was where you wanted facts. to be. That's real. When you get there and other people make you feel like you don't belong, or you you are afraid that they may feel like you don't belong, mm-hmm. you start to like minimize these parts of yourself that make you important yeah. like you, you you shrink the things that make your presence the most powerful in that space yeah yeah for so for and honestly it's over a projection nobody said anything to you yet yeah mm-hmm. it's your decision to walk into that office and act like they're doing you a favor yeah. if you show up at work and you act like they're doing you a favor you created that dynamic yep that's real right you're right that's real. if you flip it and you walk in there like you are in your spot you went through the same hiring process did you not yeah. You went through the same trainers, yep. did you not? Exactly. As everybody else. That's real. Yeah. So why why are they doing you a favor mm. by being there? That self talk is real. It's it's self talk. Yeah. It's like it's like when I say fighting for black freedom from the inside out, I mean like there's there's stuff that whiteness puts on us and there's stuff there's there's there are 
I'll say like these external casualties of white supremacy that we take and internalize. Yeah. So it's like you fight the violence on the outside, mm-hmm. but a lot of a lot of us forget to fight and push that shit out mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. from the inside. It's yeah. like no, you gotta right. shift. You got to shift the power dynamic. Yeah. Nobody is going to hand you power that makes their tactics less effective. Mm-hmm. You have to show up and say, no, I know what you want. I see it, and I'm not playing that game with you. Yeah. yeah. Right? Yeah. It demands a different level of respect. When you walk into the office, they won't talk to you like they talk to everybody else. They won't hit you with the same stuff that they hit, you, hit everybody else with when you make it clear that you know who you are mm-hmm. and you know the work that you bring mm. and so do they which is why they pulled you into exactly. the situation especially yeah. as black people if you're one of three they know why you're there yeah they absolutely know your yeah. value yeah they're yeah. hoping you don't yeah right. and a lot of times we show up and affirm it mm, mic drop yeah <laughs> pick back the mic pick it, pick it back up <laughs> that's real though that's real man um Nah, that's that's that because that that actually kind of goes into kind of um, my next question because, you know, you you have um, you you know you definitely have a uh, have been able to track your work and things that you've done, um, and so working with like brands such as Amazon or say Under Armour or um, you know you can name another one, like what was like I guess your first gig I guess if you want to call it corporate gig or kind of like official gig what was that like for you did you have to kind of fight that at first or did you mm-hmm. initially come in and you know what I mean no I had to, the, I had to fight it and what's funny is that um they kind of tell you they know your worth but we get so like caught up in like our head that we don't we don't see it yeah. now retrospectively yeah. looking back the first when I got that first agency job that gave me access to these projects with these bigger brands like Gatorade Under Armour etc um the first peer review i had um was like we want to see more who you are we want to see the ideas that you push to the side of the artboard oftentimes what i keep seeing as your manager is that that's where the magic is and you keep talking yourself out of it this is stuff that was in my reviews back then Mm. this is coming from an agency that hired me gave me a full-time offer after i was a contractor with them for three weeks that first of all wow that yeah was demonstration number one that yeah. I had value yeah and then you know this other conversation demonstration number two I'm still at this agency acting like oh thank yeah. you for this opportunity yeah. like yeah. I'm falling back in the back yeah. in the back of their critiques every time I have a meeting it's like well why aren't you talking and, and it's because I didn't trust my voice mm. I didn't trust my value I, I I needed to see myself first like you know we, like we get really angry about not being given what we're worth but like like do we know what that is do you, can you quantify that That's for real. yourself mm-hmm. um and and you have to quantify that for yourself in order to demand and project that externally and so i feel like that agency was a wake up call cuz it it was the first time that i felt like i had the chops and at every turn i was talking myself out of it and honestly that Dwayne Johnson project was the first time that i took the i took the breaks off i was like you know what yeah. We're going to go for yeah. it this time. Whatever. <laughs> yeah. Whatever. Um, and it was so wildly different from anything that Under Armour had done. And mm-hmm. so I was like, man, whatever. They said they want to know what I think. This is what I think. I think <laughs> we go hard left yeah. on everybody. Yeah. And it was incredibly successful. And I stood back after that and was like, mm. I'm really out here playing Y'all myself. Y'all done started something. <laughs> I'm, I'm, really, I'm really out yeah. here playing myself. Like, every time that I do push through that initial fear, because, I mean, the other side of that is that we feel like we can't afford to be wrong. Mm. It's like if 
which is an extension of the respectability politics. Yeah. If they've done me this favor, then I can't let them down. Mm. Everybody else on the team has a chance to learn, make mistakes. That's yeah. that's career development. Mm. It, it's it's trial and error. Yeah. To an extent. Um, and we don't give ourselves that grace. And so I feel like that agency that was a, a huge wake up call in that regard for me to just be like, Okay, I have something that everybody can see but me mm. and I need to figure out how to put myself in a position to see it mm. too. See it first. That's real. No, especially because I think we we convince ourselves that the margin for error is very very small, and and it is it, yeah. re- it is mm-hmm. small, yeah. but we may be acting like it's sm- way smaller than it really is sometimes. But also, like you have to think about like what blackness brings to the culture, though. Mm-hmm. Well, our margin of error ain't the same as everybody else. Facts. Yeah. Our margin of error is like informed by culture and all these other things, and also blackness is the culture is the essence of adaptability. Mm-hmm. If we make an error, guarantee you're gonna find a way to finesse a solution, right? It's not like our 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 error rate ain't even the same. Mm-hmm. There's not like we don't function on the same level that everybody else does because we've been conditioned for so long to yeah. overperform, to mm-hmm. overextend, mm-hmm. to overcompensate. Mm-hmm. That even when we make a mess, we're actually just putting ourselves where everybody else usually already is. Mm-hmm. So it's like you coming in with that mindset, even even that your mistakes are wrong. It's putting you in the wrong position. Yeah. Because you don't when your teammates make mistakes, you don't you don't quantify theirs that way. You don't question whether or not they belong mm-hmm. at the table. Mm. Yeah. That's real. Wow. That's real. You might say, fam don't know what you're talking about with this project. Yeah. But you don't go, he don't belong to work here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But when you make a mistake, it's like, oh man, they're gonna think I don't belong to work yeah. here. Yeah. Perspective is everything, man. It's undoing that. Yeah. For real. Damn. So um I'm kinda curious about this too, because when I first heard the word creative I didn't really know what it meant before, like, before I was actually, like, creating. So, um, what's your, I guess, your definition or the way you view, like, being a creative, you know? I feel like creatives are just people who find a way to get it out. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I don't, like, because, I mean, there's, there's, like, I don't think creatives are just about visual or sound or anything. It's, It's literally just, like the the art of expression of Mm -hmm. of releasing things really Mm -hmm. whether you mean literally releasing art or literally releasing clothing or literally Mm -hmm. releasing music or like just the emotional release of being able to go through a process with your hands and your mind Mm -hmm. and then find a physical tangible thing Mm -hmm. or find something that you can exchange with like the um the larger audience and so i feel like it's just making it's the curiosity Mm -hmm. It's the obedience to this. <laughs> yeah. To listen to the curiosity and follow yeah, it. Yeah, and that's um and and kind of back to your point about kind of knowing our worth cuz I think as creatives especially um and that's why I mentioned, you know, you do a good job of tracking your work. And we talk a lot about that here is like, you know, knowing your worth is actually reflecting and tracking it and articulating your value, right? So I, I what I noticed even from like looking at your website like you're very specific in how you articulate what value you brought to this project. You didn't just say, "Hey, I did, I did it all." No, no, no. I'm gonna be real. I did this, this, and this. This is the value I brought. And um, can you, can you? I guess do you have tips for like how creatives can go about tracking their work and articulating their value properly without kind of having to oversell themselves? Because mm-hmm. um, I think that is also what may hold them back from feeling like they belong in certain spaces. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, for sure. I'm having to get better about it. I'm I'm still learning, and I have uh, mm-hmm. mentors and coaches helping me figure this out and mm-hmm. navigate it too. But I think it's um, it's it still goes back to not shrinking and mm-hmm. not like not being afraid to say. Of course, you can 
honestly, I've been I've been on teams with managers who said, I love this portfolio, but I have no idea what this person did on this project. Mm. Yeah, cool, it's cool work, but I have no idea. And if I have 40 portfolios and I don't know what none of these people did, am I going to go through 40 portfolios yeah. and be like, mm-hmm. yeah. let me see which one looks the most cute? No. Nah. You're going to go to the person who said, hey, I did this, 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 and then the people who did that, those are the people that you, yeah. that you compare to. So I think it's um, when you finish a project or even honestly as you're working on it, document what it is, like mm-hmm. what your intention is in the beginning. Um, like take, take communion, for example, as yeah. a branding project. Yep. At the very beginning, I talked to them in their living room and was like, yo, what do you want this to feel like? Who, like, who do you, what do you want people to feel like when you get here? Like figure out the intention and like that conversation informed the entire creative development mm. because I was able to set an intention and we were able to align on an mm-hmm. intention. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like it, when creatives have the capacity to do that, it makes the work more powerful because then you, it changes the way that you have a conversation about it too. Because mm-hmm. you know why you're doing what you're doing from the start, mm-hmm. um, and you can trace the project better. But being able to say, "Hey, I came into this project and I added cultural value to um, a creative development project," and then in an industry where it typically nowadays really depends on the audience. Like they cater to the audience more so than necessarily the founders mm-hmm. and the, the history of the founders. But mm-hmm. in this case with communion, um, Christie and Damon's story is what makes communion powerful. Yeah. Their ancestry, their history, yeah. their um, Christie's path mm-hmm. is powerful. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Christie, Christie being a person who feels like home is powerful. Mm-hmm. That is absolutely necessary. Um, to do and if you don't add that cultural work to the project then yeah you might have a nice logo mm-hmm. but nobody really connects with it like, that's that's that's, that's yeah. what keeps it you feel that energy at every touch point the energy that you start a project with is felt at every touch point yeah so the more intentional you can be about why you're doing things yeah it's not to say you can't decide that somebody's building should be neon green cool yeah. you feel like it should be neon green but say that you feel like it should be neon green because invisibility is a threat to the survival of blackness. Mm. Put it in a way that makes it make makes it make sense to an audience who's not in your head. Yeah. Cuz that's the other thing about creatives like we get passionate and arrogant about ideas and we assume everybody everybody can just pick up from point C <laughs> and know what we're talking about, but these yeah. people ain't been in your head. They weren't in the dreams that informed this oh or in God. the in the we rotation that like that's led so to true. the whatever whatever whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Like we get so deep in the in the stuff that we forget that there's a whole conversation we've let people exactly. out of. Exactly. Mm-hmm. How do you not get it? Yeah. <laughs> and it's cuz you ain't told them. But yeah. when but think about it. When you're at the event and somebody asks you in person, "Yo, mm-hmm. what's the story behind this?" and you talk yeah. To yeah, him, yeah. How often does that turn into a sale? Exactly. How often does that turn into a follow? Yep. And not just a follow, but somebody who follows your career yep. path. Yep. That is also important. That's real. It's like the more you let people in, the more connected they feel to you and the more excited they are to just be a part of what you're doing. Mm. Yeah, it's like yeah, that's where like real genuine support comes from. Yeah. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? So let, yeah, let them in. Desi- yeah. Design creativity, all of it is psychology. It's the psychology of connection. Like how do you make people feel connected to a thing that they are just now being introduced to. Mm, that's real. No, I agree. And I think, um, yeah, and I think, you know, for you, because, you know, you, you do have many different um, mediums in which you, you express yourself, right? Whether it's through photography, whether it's through copywriting, whether it's through visual um, storytelling, and, and the list goes on. Um, and, you know, there's plenty of creatives out here, amazing creatives, aspiring, and, you know, some are already established who juggle all of that, right? But, like, 
how do you juggle all that? Because I think sometimes there's a there's somewhat of like a pressure to feel like I just need to focus on one, right? I can't be like doing everything and half-assing everything and, and, mm-hmm. and not getting nowhere. So do you have some advice for that as far as how to really structure it? Or does it take structure? I do. I have two answers. I'm going to say that like black women be helping me and I'm going to gas them all day long because mm-hmm. they do be helping mm-hmm. me. Mm-hmm. I, have, I, have, I look to so many black women for like mentorship, mm-hmm. advice, like tell me what you know. <laughs> you put yeah. me on game, let me know. Like I'm going to tell you where my head is and you help me make that make sense in reality mm. um, and ground it for me. And so um, uh, Marie Cadet is a, also just another mover, shaker, incredibly powerful community member. Okay. And uh, we were just rapping and she was just like, you can just decide to do it by seasons if you want. If you mm. want to just do photography this season, that's okay. If mm. you want to do design this season, that's okay too. If mm. you want to do drawing this season, that's okay. Mm. If you want to do drawing and photography, just make sure you're not trying to do too much at one time. Yeah. It's like, you can do it all, yeah. Yeah. but you don't have to do it all at one time. Yeah. And that wisdom that wisdom shook me a week ago and I'm still sitting, yeah. sitting and marinating, <laughs> marinating with it. Um, and I think the other side of it is um, something that my, my village has been telling me for a while is that you have to keep yourself in the work. Mm. That's not to say that you have to become the brand or be the face of the brand, but you have to keep yourself in it. Like to avoid dividing yourself into all these different entities that end up pulling you mm. in all these different directions. I think when the the thing that made it magical for me was when it clicked that with underdog co and J-, J Rochelle and this creative direction and photography and these poems i'm doing the same thing yep. i'm telling my story yep. from the perspective of somebody who's taking taking the the heaviness i was given and figuring out how to transmute it that's mm-hmm. ultimately yeah the core of what i've been about for yeah. quite some time it's yeah. like Okay, cool. I don't want the drama to define me or or whoever's coming after me. So where do where do I I put my investment now mm. to break some of that load apart? Even if I can't completely decimate it, which is what I'm after, but I'm gonna at least lighten the load. And when you figure out what that that core principle is, and you can tie everything to that, mm-hmm. it doesn't feel like division anymore. Yeah. Like underdog is just me saying, yo, if you're in the part where you new to this hustle you in the depths of this hustle trust your struggle man it's gonna be straight mm-hmm. it's gonna hurt for a minute and it's also like them games on the other side gonna feel real nice mm-hmm. like that's what mm-hmm. underdog code is it's like that's where you are like this healing is an active resistance stuff it's like okay cool you at the point where you're ready to do your shadow work do your shadow work look at the ugly and love yourself anyway mm. be soft with yourself in the places that everybody else was hard that everybody else was judgmental you poured a love into those places mm. all of those wounds from people who didn't keep you safe you decide to keep you safe the next time you find yourself feeling like that like it's the i'm saying the same thing mm-hmm. it's just changing the filter based on what what the medium is gotcha. or adjusting the medium based on what the message is but i'm not dividing myself into anything separate yeah. i'm saying one thing in seven different languages yeah and that way i'm I'm figuring out how to connect with the people and not necessarily figuring out how to pander. I don't have to figure out what product to come exactly. up. I don't have to force anything because yeah. it's all in an extension. It's more natural. The core value, yeah. And, and it's all in alignment too, I can right. see. Yeah, that's dope, man. And, um, you know, because, you know, 2020 was such a rough year for many reasons, right? Many, many reasons. And, um, you know, you being a, a creative, and, you know, there's other creators in the room too. It's like you see it a lot. Like I'm not working unless I'm inspired. Like I'm just chilling. I'm not doing nothing. But like, and then the longer that period tends to go, right? You it really kind of like it starts to get a little heavier, yeah. right? 
So do you have advice for creatives who may go through those uninspired periods and how to not because you can't force yourself out of it, but like how to stay um, positive and like optimistic during those periods? Because everybody goes through it, really. Mm-hmm. It's a natural. First of all, just don't judge it because everybody does go yeah, through it. Yeah, facts. And the second thing is just to stay connected to creativity, even if it's not the thing that you're doing. Like mm-hmm. if you if you you a producer and you used to making beats, but you're in a in a rut. Mm-hmm. Cool. That go go listen to like some different kind of music. Like go to a different club. Like stay connected. Mm, yeah. But do it in a way that's not requiring you to f- to perform. Mm. Like take the performance aspect out of it and just go connect with the thing that made you fall in love with it. And nine right. times out of ten, that's right. You gonna find yourself like, dang, I like that. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh man, I'm gonna go put that. Like before you even know it. Same yeah. thing with creatives. Yeah. You get in the creative block and you can't figure out what to do with this design. Or sometimes like I get stuck and I get bored with like the the type of photography that I'm taking. And I'll watch Netflix. I'll pull a random documentary up. And mm-hmm. the way that they, they cut the shots, I'll be like, yo, that's filthy. Mm-hmm. I'm going to try yeah. that crop Inspired. the next day. Like, <laughs> yeah. You be ready to pull the camera out yeah. that night, right? Yeah. So yeah. it's like I'm not making myself go take a photo. Yeah. But I'm also engaging with the the creativity that like keeps exactly. me me um thinking in yeah. new ways. It's the curiosity. I feel like writer's block is when you put like the pressure over the curiosity. Mm. And so like if you can disconnect from the pressure to perform mm. and just go let yourself be curious about how somebody else made something, mm-hmm. nine times out of ten, like it's gonna it's gonna spark your wires too. That's and powerful. It works for everybody. That's power I like that. Put the put the uh pressure of performance under the curiosity. I like that. Yeah. yeah. So you go back to like just learning the basics. Yeah, like you forget to play up. after a while, yeah, right? Yeah, because yeah. your ego and your pride get in it. So you be like, "Oh man, I'm a beat maker, so everything <laughs> I make gotta be filthy." Yeah, and and sometimes get... you be a creative block because you blocking yourself. Like, cool. oh yeah, it's not a banger like the last seven, but that don't mean that you trash now. No, that's mm-hmm. real. Get, getting out of your own way is, is an art in itself. I yeah, feel like. learning or learning how to do that, and mastering it. Hundred percent. That's dope, man. Just drop some gems out here, man. For real. <laughs> but they're just flowing out. You know what I'm saying? She ain't even dropping them, man. They're just flowing out. I appreciate that. Um, I was actually looking at some of your work, um, and you had uh, you had used the term black urbanism mm-hmm. uh, as taking up space as a black person in America, and you called it an act of heroism when doing that. Um, so we kind of touched on it a little bit earlier about like the imposter syndrome and stuff. But when you use the term like heroism, like, can you speak to kind of why you chose that? Yeah, because I think given the context of of what we come from, man, like in this country, mm-hmm. like our ancestors had on suits. This, I mean, this back when cats were shining their shoes on a, <laughs> on a daily, like nobody, like they was tip top, like clean pressed, mm-hmm. dressed in respect, dead. Mm-hmm. And still ended up, you know, strange fruit. And mm-hmm. so when you think about that and and how even at peak respectability politics, we weren't safe. We weren't even safe in the minstrel show they created for us. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. It kind of it kind of inevitably brings you to the question of like, well, if I if I wasn't safe when I was performing for them, what's what's why would I deny myself the freedom of not mm. performing for mm-hmm. them like mm-hmm. and i think that's what i mean i think for for black people to decide at any turn bruh okay i'm in corporate and i'm gonna keep my fro i'm in corporate and i'm gonna keep these locks i work in this and i'm gonna do this i'm a curvy woman and i'm gonna still wear these shorts out and everybody's gonna be okay it's, it's choosing 
these little things that other people don't really have to think about on the level that we think about mm-hmm. and overanalyze. Like yeah. every time you decide you're gonna do it anyway, that's mad powerful. Somebody yeah. somebody else sees you and it's like, wow. That's real. Wow, bro. That's real. Like why like I okay, so I worked at Amazon for um almost four years and no lie. Every time I wore my Kenta head wrap, first of all, I wore the Kenta head wrap the first day that I met the last manager that I worked for, mm-hmm. just because I was like, let's just get all the cards on the table. All the time. <laughs> <laughs> I want you to know, I want you to know what you're getting into yeah. before you sign up for this. Yeah, facts, facts. <laughs> um, and he ended up being cool, but the the point was that I was tired of hiding at that point. Um, but literally, every time I walked through the building, like the black women and. Like, <laughs> double double, look, take, double, double take break they next because i mean i'm walking in the hallway but like my, my white manager was like the director of so and so and so and so and so like to be to make these little things that feel small to me like me wearing a head wrap is me hiding my edges nine times out of ten but <laughs> she think it's powerful because yeah. no but she's not seen anybody be that like even if they wear a head wrap it's muted it's mm. whatever it's whatever she might not wear a kente one but maybe she'll wear a navy one yeah. and still feel like she yeah. doesn't have to choose like it's 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 that for everybody yeah. at every turn in every way it's picking something one thing every day to not apologize for for mm. anybody unapologetic if if yeah. you walk it down the sidewalk and white people are coming at you don't move don't move yeah. like yeah. if if you <laughs> if you are if you were taking up your space you're not bothering nobody you're mm. not obligated to move nobody else is that's real mm-hmm. nobody else is pick one thing every day to not apologize for and that makes you a hero in a black body like mm. we don't we don't grow up in spaces often where we know we can walk outside 100 percent ourselves and everybody else gonna be cool mm. everybody else what we get is like, okay, you just looking like you look mm-hmm. means that you're going to have to deal with X, Y, E. Like, we get the yeah. fear first. Yeah. We get the fear before we get the freedom. Mm. And so for me at this place, I'm like, yo, how do we get back to the freedom? How mm. do we get back to the freedom before the fear? Because the, the, the fear still ain't saving us. Mm-hmm. The fear ain't keeping us safe. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. It's making the life and the time that we do have more miserable. Mm. It's, it's, it's spending the time that we do have performing still for whiteness. Mm. And all these little ways that you don't think add up, but eventually do. Like that's yeah. how you hit burnout. Yeah, burnout is literally resisting what naturally, what feels natural to you. It's moving against <laughs> what your body, or your your emotions, or whatever are telling you feels good. Mm-hmm. And navigating this white world don't feel good all the time when yeah. you have mm-hmm. to edit in every single space for yeah. any given reason. Because yeah. somebody yeah. might, because if I'm too loud, if my radio too loud, if my whatever. Yeah. Why I'm, does that matter so I'm much? Exhausted. We make we make it matter more too when we do that. Man. We do. It don't got to be that. I just feel like at this point, if if they're gonna get me, they're gonna get me, and I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go out as me fully. Yeah, I think that's what I'm every, gonna go I think, out my freedom. Yeah, everybody, period. everybody, everybody deep down wants that too, and it's like, it just takes like this conversations like this alone. Yeah, it's, it's just as powerful as the Kente cloth head wrap. Like you know what I mean? So, I love that though, and then that's why I brought it up because when I when I read that, I was like. I get it, but I, I just had to, you know, get it from you. Of you course. I mean? Of course. I just want us to celebrate ourselves. Like, like our survival is a miracle every day. Every mm-hmm. day. Just the emotional toll alone. Mm-hmm. Like, to get up and still do life every day and do it with so much passion and finesse yeah. and, like, beauty. Like, as we do. Yeah. And still feed the world at large. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's real. 
a lot of its cultural and intellectual influence yeah. with the weight that we carry. Yeah. And I we think, can afford to take some stuff off. Yeah, and I think I think the emphasis on grace, which you mentioned earlier, is important too. Yeah. Yeah. It don't gotta be we don't always gotta be like <laughs> you know what I mean? We're always like very on edge as we should be, but I think when you do things gracefully, we deserve that too, you know? Yeah. I think it's a pro- it's just a long process of softening. Like understand why you do these things. You don't need to judge yourself for it. It's not another thing to take on as a judgment. It's just yeah. an awareness to keep so that you do get closer to your freedom every day. Mm. That's real. Yeah. I think I think you really just like broke that whole quote down for me. <laughs> like the, the the quote of the day that you oh, got yeah. on IG, you really <laughs> yeah. just broke it down. It's like even, even as you're talking, I'm like I could connect myself back to like times where I did do that maybe. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? And like I didn't notice before it was kind of like okay, let's say I'm pulling up to my job and um, my music's all the way like just bumping and I just got to turn it down or something before yeah. somebody, you know? Yeah. And like, like just just looking back at certain things, I'm like, damn, you're right. And that's where like the freedom comes from when I could just be like, man, this is me, you know? Yeah. 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 So. Not harming nobody. Know, that's, it's powerful though. Everything that you've been yeah. saying, you know, so. And the music be good too. That's what I'm saying. And, and what's cold? <laughs> you know? What's cold yeah. though? What's cold is they be listening yeah, to it. Yeah, like, yeah, yo, that's no the cold lie. Part. So are we acting? <laughs> no lie. We did one of the uh, one of the last team activities we did before the pandemic was we had a whole team activity where we had to do this thing um, like ten minute slides where you're supposed to tell something about yourself and everybody had to pick a theme song. Mm-hmm. So um, a team full of mostly um, white and Asian folks and majority of them songs was hip hop. Yeah. So it's like. Yeah, come on. You yeah, turning exactly. the music down and yeah. they blasting it in the presentation yeah. at the office. Yeah, yeah, yeah. On nah, on on show and tell. And then you act yeah. like you don't know the song. <laughs> yeah, right. And now you got I'm your not, head not down. I'm my head with y'all. I'm you got your head down because you picked some corny song trying <laughs> yeah. to be safe, <laughs> and your white coworker blasting oh, K dot. <laughs> Come on, bro. <laughs> Which is exactly what you know I did. You know, like even that, I was yeah. like, I'm gonna pick a rap song, but I'm gonna pick a pick a chill one. And somebody dead ass picked the song that I played the song that I was gonna play initially, and I was like. And they look at For you real? like, wow, yeah. wow <laughs> fam. They look at you like, yo, step it up, man. <laughs> and I'm like looking at them and looking around the room and everybody else is like, I'm like, wow, fam. <laughs> yeah, man. But that, yeah, but you know, that just goes to show like everything you, you were saying is true. You know, we just got to be us and just like do our thing. Like, man, this is, this is who we are, you know, and not be afraid of that. So, yeah, yeah. you know. And it's only going to empower the rest of us. So then it's only going to become more normalized. And the next thing you know, we're not, it's not even an afterthought. We're just, we're just being, we're just existing and doing yeah. what we want. That's yeah. dope. I think I think that's that that's the true freedom you're talking about right there. You know, mm-hmm. so I was like, mm-hmm. damn, all right, I feel that for real, cause that's literally being free. Mm-hmm. You know? It's so. a turning point. Like I think we see freedom as an end point, and sometimes it's, it's freedom is the turning point. It's, yeah. it's you starting to see, like, oh, wow, okay, okay, mm-hmm. cool. I don't have yeah. to do that. You know, it's like you don't have to shame back like baby steps in this. Like mm-hmm. all of us, I have an incredible amount of privilege that I acknowledge on a regular basis. Everybody didn't come from my position. Mm-hmm. Everybody didn't have the chance to get in corporate and hop around like I did. You mm-hmm. know, like, but it takes the little steps. I took little steps to get there, and then I got a leap. Even yeah. if you don't get the big leap, still take the little steps. The freedom is in the turning point. You still yeah. just as free because you see more than everybody else do now. Because yeah. you can mess up and give yourself grace, and you giving yourself grace keeps your mind open enough to find the solution where everybody else is still spiraling because mm-hmm. they stuck in the shame cycle. Yeah. You can't you yeah. can't solve anything in the shame cycle. Yeah. So it, the freedom is is in the turning point, like the awareness where you start to see your role in everything. Mm-hmm. 
And it don't mean that every everything is your fault either. Awareness is not taking on the responsibility of whiteness or whatever. Yeah. It's just seeing it. If you see an obstacle, you can move around it. Mm-hmm. If you don't see it, you can't. Mm. Yeah. Freedom is, is, is in the sight. It's yeah. just seeing differently yeah. in these scenarios. So you can move differently in whatever way is safe at the moment. I love it, man. Appreciate yeah. it, man. <laughs> being, Some game being, right now. Being blessed right now. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, um, well, okay, now I want to touch on this because, uh, you know, a very popular term uh, or phrase, I should say, is, uh, you know, black girl magic, right? We hear that all the time, and it's, like, so amazing. Um, and you being a black woman, I, I guess from your perspective, how would you – I describe what it means to embody black girl magic. Cause I feel like everybody has their own way of how they see that. But for you, what would you say? Being authentically myself, like my womanhood is very queer, <laughs> very gender queer. That don't mm-hmm. look like everybody else's womanhood. I think it's okay to look differently. I think the, the magic is in the authenticity. It's like, girl, nah, girl, girl be yourself, be your black ass self the mm-hmm. way you feel good being black. Don't edit that for these dudes. Don't edit that for the, for your homegirls. Don't edit that for these people that you work for. Mm-hmm. Be authentically 100% whatever your black girl is. Mm. Like 100% True. that. Every every little black girl needs to see that. Every little trans black woman needs to see an older trans woman mm-hmm. being herself. Mm-hmm. Like that's, that's important. Yeah. It's important for trans women to show up fully in their black girl magic. Mm-hmm. It, it's like... Not choosing, I feel like the respectability politics makes us feel like we have to make this rubric for everyone to conform to or like fit into or fit around or categorize ourselves based on. But that's the, I don't know, I just, I reject the Western way of seeing things. Man. I feel like you can be 100% yourself, be 100% authentic, 100 people can show up and all of us still be black girl magic at the same time. And ain't nobody. Ain't nobody walking away with less magic because yeah. somebody else looked different than me. And, and as a matter of fact, that makes it more powerful. That means that means that we cover more, that we understand more, that mm. we can connect to more, that we can mm. inform yeah. more, yeah, that we yeah. can contribute That's more. Right. Like right. you contribute from your experience, and the more the more willing everybody is to show up fully in their authentic experience, the more we all learn and benefit. Mm. Black girl magic. Yeah. Brought to you by Joe. <laughs> yeah. It's hard. That's hard, man. Um, yeah, and um, so, well, we usually, uh, you know, we usually want to give our our guests a chance as well. If they got, any, if you got any like things coming up or little announcements, um, or projects that you want to, you know, people to to know about. Um, do you have anything you want to share with people? Um. I mean, it's hard. I'm still trying to get these. I'm trying to get these trademarks passed through. I wanna, I wanna (laughs) drop. I just wanna drop my stuff (laughs) so bad. But I got burned one time, so I'm trying to do it right, (laughs) right this time. So I'm like, oh, I wanna tell people what I got. I know we know know you're cooking. You're always up to something. We know. But no, um, I have a brilliant team of black people helping me revamp my website, and so Mm -hmm. that will be relaunching soon. Okay. Um, folks can sign up for my newsletter at um, humanizingblackness.com. Okay. There's a newsletter sign-up link on that page. Okay. That's the one that's getting the, the makeover. Um, shout out to black women for being amazing at all things that always. they do. Always. Powered by black women, always. Mm-hmm. Um, so humanizingblackness.com, Instagram, 
J Rochelle. That is J R Y C H E A L yep. on Instagram and Twitter. Um, I drop gems and thirst traps um, semi regularly. Thirst traps. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, look at the balance right there. I love it. <laughs> you know, it's about the range for me. Come on, it's the range for me. Uh, nah, that's, that's dope. I am authentically a very profound thirst trapping human, so <laughs> yeah, it's, 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 normal it's, it's now. be all of it, uh, <laughs> embrace it all. Um, but yeah, just just tap in on the on the socials. I feel yeah. like that's that's where I'm at. I'm yeah, ju- I'm just cooking on the low. We love it, man. Sure. We, and we love it. We, and you know, it's it's just dope to see the progression. Like again, everybody, you know, you know, everybody we have on this show is like obviously doing their thing and. And building and you know embodying what it means to be on the up and up and just keep grinding and keep going but uh man i, I already foresee amazing things for you in the future and your thank team you. as well thank yeah. you thank you um, i appreciate it now if you're familiar with the show we usually before we uh before we let you go we usually always ask our guest we actually well, i say usually we always ask our <laughs> guest. i don't know why I just say that. we always ask our guests this question before we uh get you out of here so if you can uh what's one word to describe what keeps you on the up and up and why Mm. One word. <sighs> That's hard. It's hard to make <laughs> it one word. I'm like, dang, I gotta, I gotta distill it down to that. Like the word changes, it does. Well, in this it moment, what's one word that describes or keeps you on the up and up? One. I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say compassion. Mm. I'm gonna say compassion. I think uh, the last two years, but specifically the last twelve months, have definitely taught me how powerful compassion is. Like compassion is the medicine it's like at, at every moment where i've wanted to judge myself i've challenged myself to offer compassion instead mm-hmm. to like soften where i want to mm-hmm. punish myself to like take a step back and be gentle when i want to be uh hard on myself and the more i've done that the more i've been able to do it with other people and the more i've, I've just been able to see and connect mm. with people um just because i've i've I'm learning how to be softer with myself and I feel like the softer that I am with myself the more safe I feel to be a curious black person Mm. and that's unlocking creativity for me in a way that I've never experienced like giving myself the emotional capacity to be curious by like softening in these areas where I'm used to being really rigid Mm -hmm. yeah um, yeah. It's teaching me how to not only just like open up to people, but open up to like the work, my creative channels, my spiritual channels, like mm. everything. I feel like I'm I'm tapped in finally, mm. <laughs> and, it, and it started with me softening for myself. So I feel like that's that's powerful. 100 percent it right now. That's powerful. That's a powerful word. Yeah. Is that the first time we got compassion? I think that's the first time, yeah, we got that word. Come on. Come on. I love it, man. That's powerful. Uh, Thank you for that as well. Thank you for, man, the many gems you've been giving us and the audience members and those listening. Um, But, yeah, man, uh, Jay, like like we said, uh, you know, we wish you much success moving forward, obviously. Appreciate it. Um, We know you're going to be doing amazing things. you got support with us always here at the Up and Up. Always. Always. Big love. Tap in always, anytime. Mm -hmm. Um, And with that said, I think it's safe to say Jay (laughs) Rochelle is officially a member of the Up and Up. Can we get a round of applause? 
Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you, and I appreciate it. The love is very mutual. Yes. Yo, what up? It's Rubino. And this is DJ Earn. We hope you enjoyed that episode and that now you have a better understanding of what it means to live life on the up and up. To continue supporting the podcast and the entire up and up movement, be sure to rate, review, like, and subscribe. As well as follow us at underscore the up and up on all social media platforms to stay connected with everything the up and up has coming your way. Thanks for listening. And until the next one, keep it on the up and up.